You are listening to the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 126, Creativity and the Camera. Five, six, seven, eight. Hi there, and welcome to session number 126 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. I'm very happy that you've joined me today. I'm Annette Bone, and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a super long hiatus, the transformation I've experienced, the lessons I've learned, the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. Hi, this is Tanya Barber, former professional dancer and executive director of Dance Camera West. You're listening to another session of the Dancepreneurian Studio with Annette Bone. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. I had the pleasure of having a conversation recently with the lovely Tanya Barber, who is a former professional dancer with the Joffrey Ballet a Broadway performer, and now current executive director of Dance Camera West. Dance Camera West is a media arts organization that promotes dance via film. Tanya has also choreographed and staged numerous commercials and plays and worked with companies such as Gillette and Salon Selects, as well as fashion icons Ralph Lauren, Calvin Klein and Donna Karen. The films that she's produced have also been screened at prestigious film festivals such as Sundance and the Toronto Film Festival. She's currently producing Exaltation, which is a documentary capturing sacred dance around the globe. I'm so looking forward to seeing this documentary. So let's go ahead and get into this interview. What is a memorable moment of your professional dance career with the Joffrey Ballet and then also your career on Broadway? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, my my story with the Joffrey was a much uh, very exciting process to get the scholarship in the first place. So I would say uh, living through the process of being a 16 year old and, uh, what it is to be a teenager working in a professional field with professional dancers was quite exhilarating. And the same with Broadway. Um, uh, my first Broadway show, I was 17 when I got that show and, uh, uh, the audition was really intense. It was over 300 people for one part, and uh, I got the part that day and started rehearsing the very next day. So those are memorable moments because it takes so much out of you <laughs> when you're competing against so many people for one role and one part. With, you know, like you were saying about it's it's nerve wracking because you were up against so many people for that one part and one role. Did it take time for you to develop that self-confidence to audition? Was it always there when you started dancing or was that or was it something like, OK, I just got to do this. I, I have to ignore like the fear and all these other feelings that might come up. How do you how do you work through that? How did you work through that knowing that you were up against so many people? Well, I grew up in a very, very, very small town of 400 people in Missouri on a farm. And I started taking tap dance in the basement of a woman's house uh, at a late age. And in today's world of uh, dancers, uh, I started at around nine years old. And my first teacher, I she really instilled the love of dance 
for me. She really secured that emotional space in myself to uh, create dance and feel the joy in dance. And then when that teacher moved and I started working with the Kansas City Ballet, and then I actually moved uh, to be working with another teacher uh, named Nelda Hill, who I consider her my professional teacher, she was tough. She really worked with her dancers to make you mentally prepared for that environment of auditioning. She talked about practicing to audition. She would make us go to auditions that we knew we would never take, but we needed to practice auditioning because it was a different, it was a different leotard. It was a different pairs of shoes. It was a different attitude that you walked in the door with. And that took practice and rehearsal in it of itself. And, um, so I really just, you know, it was, it was a combination of both, you know, being able to understand the joy of, of dance, uh, but then understanding the professionalism that was required uh, to, to get that job. How did you transition from professional dancer, performer, choreographer to now producing and creating the film festival and your work with Dance Camera West? Well, my, you know, my story of getting to Dance Camera West, there's a lot of years in between my professional career and, and uh, becoming part of Dance Camera West, which is by the age of 23, I'd then been in New York for quite a while dancing professionally. And uh, I really kind of looked at the road in front of me and uh, being sort of pragmatic as I am, I said, oh my goodness, you know, all these women who are in their 40s are complaining of what I'm complaining, which my body hurts, I'm tired, I don't have any money. And uh, I was even in a hit Broadway show at that time. And I still had those not enough money to go on vacation and so forth. So I started looking around in other ways to make my income a little bit higher and so forth. And that caused me to go into photography and commercials and film. And, and I became very interested in film production and producing films. And, and so I did. I focused quite a bit on producing films, which I did. They had nothing to do with dance. They were purely narratives and uh, storytelling. And many of them had some decent success. They were in, you know, film festivals such as Sundance, Telluride, or not Telluride, sorry, Sundance, Toronto, uh, Cannes. And, and so I had those experiences under my belt before I, I ever even heard about Dance Camera West. And then once I was in Los Angeles and had started a family and looked up for a minute from all that goes into that, I found out about Dance Camera West that it was film and dance, which were two passions of mine. So once I did start to become very involved with the organization and finally ultimately becoming the executive director, it was exciting to be able to collect these films from around the world and share them with Los Angeles. It is very exciting. Uh, the fact that that was my first time attending this past uh, couple months ago, I was blown away at the diversity of the films. And I can only imagine the submissions that you get. And um, I was wondering, like, from year to year, since you've been involved in reviewing these films and that kind of thing, do you see a common theme throughout the films, whether it's like, um, I guess, a style of shooting or the subject matter? What would you say throughout the years has been either common or what are there any patterns that you've seen? 
Well, um, so Dance Camera West is 16 years old, and I've been running it for six years. And in my six years, I've seen every year there is a new theme. There's sort of a new zeitgeist of ideas that people tend to focus on. And it seems to be sort of an annual position of, of set of mind. It's sort of like the filmmakers are, you know, all getting the same information. And so they sort of respond to that information from the world in a similar way. Sometimes we have a year, uh, not this year, but last year, a lot of the films were very dark, a very dark storylines, the way the films looked um, this past year. We had a lot of, I call them homegrown. They were, um, somebody told me that the term is called maker, that, you know, people that macrame or they do crafts and it's, you know, you make your pot holders. It's kind of like very homegrown ideas. And so a lot of the filmmaking, instead of using such high technology, a lot of people were going back to some very, very, very basic ideas of filmmaking and really focusing on those kind of formats and usage. So, you know, the three years ago, it was all about spoken poetry that people had these voiceovers and nobody wouldn't, nobody wanted to dance to music. They wanted to dance to someone speaking. And so, you know, it's, it's very interesting to watch. I mean, ultimately what I look for in a film is content, you know, uh, what's being said, what is also the emotion that you feel when you see the film, you know, uh, what sort of journey does the filmmaker take you on? I love that you said that, Tanya, and I loved how you interviewed some of the filmmakers that were in attendance at the festival. And I remember what Tice Diorio said when he and Wade Robson collaborated for their film about how he wanted to take the viewer to see the journey, um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but not the, not the dance steps per se, but to see it for the movement's sake and that kind of thing. And I really appreciated that. And I love the way that you handled each one of the people that were there that just, um, I felt like they were very much at ease and you got them talking very excitedly about their project, which made me very engaged in the, in the process. So I don't, I don't know if you do that for each year that you have the, the filmmakers that are able to attend. Do you interview them at the end of um, each festival? We always do interviews. In fact, this year was a little bit um, light on filmmakers for us. Generally, we have about 25 filmmakers come in from around the world. And I have to honestly and unfortunately say that I had numerous emails from filmmakers that said they were a little bit too nervous to travel to the United States, given the different ban on travel that was fluctuation in the United States. So that definitely affected our range of filmmakers that attended the festival. That being said, we always, any filmmaker that is in attendance or sometimes we'll bring them in, we do a full Q&A with and explore what it was going on in their mind when they created the film, how the film was created, the obstacles that they encountered unexpectedly with making the film, and then what their future projects are. And I, you know, I've been to a lot of festivals and I see, you know, when the Q&A starts, a number of people will jump up and leave. But what I do see about the dance community and particularly for Dance Camera West is that nobody moves. Everybody's yes. very interested to hear what that process was about. 
I was definitely interested. I love that part of the process. So I'm thank you so much for doing that. That was very exciting for me to to witness. What is the process you go through once the artists submit their work and then it's chosen and then presented at the festival? Do you have does it just kind of depend on whether you resonate with the film or how does how's that process go? Well, we get around 300 films a year. We start our submission in September and films start to trickle in. And generally we close in January. So like from September to December, we'll probably get 75 films. And then in the last three weeks of January, we'll be flooded with 250 films. And so the process gets very intense very quickly because you do have to, you know, you want to see everyone's film. You want to give it your undivided attention, not something plain in the corner, but something that you're completely focused on. So generally, you know, a short list appears very quickly. Like you'll have a moment, you'll be like, yep, this is definitely in. And then you'll have a list going of, well, I like elements of this. Is it strong enough to match up with these other films? And then you have the immediate, this is not the right film for us. You know, you have three different categories that films fall into. And then for us, we have been in multiple venues across Los Angeles, from museums to outdoor spaces to movie theaters. So then I start really thinking about the films in relationship to the venues. What experience does the audience expect when they walk into a certain venue? So, you know, it's kind of a... um it's kind of a experience you play out in your head that when you're walking into Royce Hall is very different than if you're walking into LACMA or the Getty. The information that you're seeing before you walk in, it, it's an experience. So I have to really think about the experience also in relationship to the film. Does the film fit the audience expectation of their experience going to that venue? So once I get through that process. Uh, a lot of times we'll have documentaries or something that's just, you know, an obvious opening night film, or we do tend to do our short films, which are very exciting for opening night as well. And that's a collective about, you know, 13 to 15 films all together. And um, those are very exciting to see, which is the night you attended uh, or one of the nights, the opening night. Then once we, once we match that up, then we have to go into that, middle ground where we say, well, what about the films that are possibly, you know, there's parts of it I like and parts of it I'm not sure that fit. And then you start seeing sometimes those films actually work really well with a film that seems amazing because the two together create a feeling of storytelling. So then that happens when you're curating short films and you're putting them together. It's not like you just pick, you know, the 15 films and like, you know, put them in whatever order. That means the audience is still sitting there for an hour to an hour and 20 minutes. And they have to feel that they've been on an experience, you know, Um, and, you know, you just don't put them in any order. There's always a film that feels like the opening film. There's a film that feels like the closing film. You know, there's still a lot of thought that goes into 
how those films are selected and presented. I'm so glad that you talked about that, Tanya, because I was about to say, too, with the whole thing with the experience. And what, you know what I love, too, is on opening night when you had the Seaweed Sisters perform in that area before we walked in. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was not expecting that. So I'm, I'm not surprised that you put that much thought and intention in all aspects of um, the whole experience and that you want it to be a whole experience. That's totally what I felt. So thank you for sharing that. Good. We've incorporated live performance elements um, as we can. We're a small organization, so we include them as we can afford them. But we also have recently started a partnership with a dance company called Jacob Jonas, the company. And we partnered with part of their festival this year out on the Santa Monica Pier and it went really well. And so we are really planning for the next three years to focus on um, the partnership of live elements that they're presenting in relationship to the films that we're presenting. So let's see, probably about five years ago, Dance Camera West created a structure that was put in front of Music Center. And so body traffic would perform. And then you could, you know, walk across to Mocha and go see films. And then there would be a performance later, and then you could go see a film outside in Grand Park. So we really like the idea of walking festivals where you, you know, you see a film, you go see live dance, you take a dance class, like um, that kind of interaction is very interesting to myself and uh, Jacob Jonas in the sense that, you know, people don't want to get in their cars, but they want to have an experience. You know, if you're going to drive yes. to Santa Monica, you park your car, you go see a film, you get something to eat, you go see a live performance, then you come back and maybe see the premiere, the world premiere of another dance film. You know, it's because what walking does is it creates community, it creates engagement, it creates conversation, it creates that kind of space as opposed to worrying about where you're going to park your car. Yeah, so that's that's some of the goals we're looking at right now. Well, I certainly felt that going there because it was um, the first one from Dance Camera West that I attended. I didn't know exactly what to expect. And so I was pleasantly surprised. And the interaction after the interviews and people just milling about to it seemed like people didn't want to leave. It was such a great experience for me. So thank you. <laughs> no, I've, I've, I laugh because I've had this. It's like one of those. It's like a it's so exciting that everyone wants to connect and talk. And then I, then I have the people at the museum or the venue saying they have to get out, <laughs> have to get them out. And you're, you know, it's kind of that very careful edging of pushing them a little bit out the door. So I, I, I do love that part about the festival where yes. everyone yes. Uh, wants to connect with each other and support each other. And, you know, sometimes they complain about each other. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of that in the dance community, too. So, oh, I hated that one. Oh, you hated that one? I love that one. <laughs> I love that one. Well, you know, and I, I love those conversations. And I'll never forget there um, was a year, I think it's about three years ago, I had a film that we put in. It was a Swedish film, and it was about a man who we followed this man in his what we thought was his home, doing all sorts of things from eating to sleeping to reading, and then finally to dancing. And he does this really funny dance. And, um, and then we realize at the end of the film that he's not even in his house. He has to sort of secretly sneak out when the owner comes back. So it was, 
It was one, and I, I had a board member who hated this film. Hated it. They could not understand why I would even consider this film. Why did you do this? Why? I hate that film. And I will tell you, we went to a meeting, and when it came time to talk about the films, it was the only one she could remember. And she talked about it, but I think what I'm saying is even in film and art and dance and, you know, all that the world seems to offer right now, even things that you push up against that you think you just don't like it, you just don't like it. I think it's informing you in some way. I think it's yes. triggering something in you that's making you think. And so it's, you know, it has a provocative side to it when it's not, oh, I love it. It turns out to be, oh, I hate it. You know, sometimes I get almost a bigger chuckle out of that side of hearing people's comments. I love the conversation that those kind of performances invoke that it's not, yes, I loved it, I hate it, that makes you question and makes you ask more questions. And the, the conversations get very interesting. But I, I did, I love that about the festival that people were still, even in the parking lot, I was like, wow, this is really cool. So um, it was such a great experience for me. So I'm so glad I went. And also, I wanted to ask you, when we had talked uh, a little bit at um, the day that you showed Mr. Gaga, which I absolutely loved. And I, oh gosh, I just love that one. And you talked about bringing it back. And usually you don't bring back documentaries or films for a second time. So this was one of them. Were there any other ones that you would think of or have brought back a second time? Well, what I was saying is that, I mean, I have actually thought recently about bringing back a number. I, I actually, we have a number of documentaries or films in our archive that have no distribution and they would never be shown except through us screening them. And I have thought about pulling some of them out recently and screening them all together. The Mr. Gaga was a little bit different in the sense that we had literally just spent, you know, four or five months pushing and promoting that film for its opening here in Los Angeles. So we did it in partnership with USC and we had a great opening night. We, it, you know, um, played in Los Angeles, I believe, for four more days. And it did well. But a little bit, the problem with these kind of films is they are just getting their legs under them. People are just starting to start the word of mouth, and then they're gone, you know. And Mr. Gaga was very passionate about from the beginning. And... Um, the Hyman brothers, who are the filmmakers of that film, are wildly talented and wildly patient to go through. Um, I mean, they have very long visions of how they make their films. They they are very patient to to make the right film. They're not about rushing. So I had a number of people saying, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed that film. It was here and then it was gone. And is it going to be released and what's going to happen? And, you know, I, I kept hearing this and a talent dance agent in Los Angeles, Julie McDonald, um, she's the owner and founder of uh, MSA. She was like, you should just bring it back. And I kind of thought, oh, gosh, you know, I, I wanted to give another filmmaker an opportunity. But at the same time, I knew how moving and important this film and the work that was being shown in the film about Batsheva, the Israeli company Batsheva. It was, it was so important. So 
Uh, I did. I brought it back, and I was very excited to see so many people turn out to come and see it and, and really appreciated being able to get another chance to take a look. I anticipated watching it so much, and it did not disappoint for sure. So what is the status of the current film that you are working on? I'm really excited to hear about this. Oh, you're talking about the Sacred Dance? Yes. Yeah, so... I've been, you know, I produced in the past, but this is my first documentary that I'm producing. And it's called Dancing for the Lord. It's following sacred dance from around the world. We've now finished shooting in eight countries and we have 12 more countries to go. So we've been shooting for about a year and a half now. And it's been amazing. It's been, it's been an incredible personal journey to bear witness to how people express their joy, their emotion, their humanity through the form of dancing to their higher God, spirit, Lord, whatever uh, deities, whatever it is that they claim as their religion or spiritual journey. And that these dances, they're made especially... And, and the other thing is, I think the thing that also when I first was pitched the film by Matthew Diamond, who's the director. I really got it because I, not only in dance history or dance history classes, you hear and you sort of hear early dance, but I was taking philosophy, philosophy of religion at one point. And uh, I sat down in the classroom. It was the very first day. And she said, open your books. And then she said, okay, so um, as we all know, dance was the first religion. And I, I mean, I couldn't hear another thing she said for the rest of the class. I had never heard that in my life, that dance was the first religion. And she said it so matter-of-factly, I, I thought, does she not even understand what she has just said? When you think about before a Bible or the Quran or any sort of writings or language, we were dancing for our religion. And um, that's powerful. That's something that... I know as a dancer that when I dance, I feel a very, a much higher part of myself rise up. I know that, yeah, I mean, I, a lot of thoughts come to mind for, for why I moved forward with this project. But at this point, we have now shot in Turkey, Haiti, Peru, Japan, Australia, uh, Jamaica, Queens, Israel, Hawaii. Um, am I leaving one out? I hope I'm not leaving one out. But and every every process has been amazing to to watch the preparation for the dance, the actual dancing. We've had dances in Japan that were 1300 years old that we captured to dances in Turkey, which are also older dancer dances as well with the twirling dervishes, the whirling sorry, the whirling dervishes, and and then you have Haiti, which is. It has a ceremony to it, but the dance is very individual. It's, it's, it's together, but it's still a, an individual expression of dance. So, yeah, we're very excited. We're very excited, and we're working really hard and to get uh, the rest of these countries in the camp. Do you have an end date as to when you'll get to all these countries and uh, a timeline? Because I'm really excited to see this. This sounds awesome. Well, I... I believe we'll at least get 
10 more in this next year. And then we probably have two more outside of that. So we will, you know, probably in the next six to eight months have enough to really start a bit of the editing process. So we're about two years away before we're going to be able to show it anywhere. But, um, you know, it seems our days are full with production and, uh, and travel and so forth. So it's not so much when it, when I say two years, it may sound like a long time, but for me in my mind, it's like, Oh my God. And <laughs> like, oh, wow, we have so many things to do in two years. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm certainly looking forward to that. And two years goes by very quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah. So which I can see why you're saying, oh, my goodness, there's so much to do. So I'm going to go into three questions that I like to ask each of my guests. I'm always interested in what people say. And sometimes I get common answers, but we'll we'll see how this goes. So um, dance style that you haven't tried, but would like to and why? Wow. Well, you know, I, I don't even know the name of it. I just saw this stuff in Cambodia in our research. We've been researching some interesting movements in Cambodia, and it looked very interesting, the hands, the, the body. Um, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank of exactly the name of that dance. Uh, but I found that very interesting in its presentation. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. So it's from Cambodia, you said, right? Okay, I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds interesting. Who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) (laughs) No, oh my God, that would be almost impossible to answer because people ask me this about the festival too. Oh, what's your favorite? I mean, like, it's like asking your favorite child. You just can't do that out there in the, I mean, because I think for me, when I'm looking at work, I'm looking at a process. I'm not looking at necessarily only the person and only their work, but I, I see them as a body of work. And so it, it would be very, oh, almost impossible to, to name one. I know. That's why, I'm, I, that's why I love this question, because it's like, and it also depends on what you're feeling and what, you know, what you're into at that current season in your life. And and um, I totally get what you said about the whole process because I love processes and I love to see what goes on behind and what, what a person represents and what their art represents. So I totally get that part of it. So we'll, we'll let you off the hook, Tanya, for that. I won't <laughs> be single it's just, out. You know, it's not like saying, oh, there's the historical past choreographers who, you know, of course are amazing. It's not like saying just, you know, the top, five, 10 choreographers, Wayne, you know, I could go down a whole list of people also at a certain level, but then there are the hundreds of filmmakers and choreographers that so many people don't know. Yes. See their work. I see it, you know, I've seen it numerous times over the, and it's really, it's, there's a lot of talented people out there, a lot of them, and a lot of them do not unfortunately get the exposure or have the budgets to create uh, always at the level that you know can represent them so I mean, that's, that's a bit of what dance camera west is all about so a little bit the underdog what is the dance style that currently describes your day and why <laughs> <laughs> well i love hip-hop i know it's like um probably a cliche that everybody does hip-hop but it definitely changes my mood, my day, if I put on that form of music or take that sort of a dance class. 
Uh, there's something in the power and expression of hip hop that really lands for me. Um, when I see really strong work through film with hip hop, I'm right in there. It's one of my favorite, favorite dances that's, you know, that's out there. I mean, there's a lot to hip hop. So even when I say hip hop, I'm, I'm generalizing so many things and I, I know that, but I do it, you know, you're asking me one question, but that, that form of expression, I find very powerful and also very powerful for women when not all dance is necessarily powerful for women. So I see this as also a very, yeah, expressive and powerful dance form. Yes, that very true. And I, I hear what you're saying about because of the different forms of hip hop, the different styles and that kind of thing. So I do get that. Tanya, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I cannot wait to see your documentary. I can't wait for the next film festival. I know you're going to get a ton of great submissions. And thank you so much for your time, your expertise, your feedback, your perspectives. It has been such an honor and a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Annette. And um, we look forward to seeing you at the next festival. I love that dance can take a conversation in so many different directions. And if you want to continue this conversation, I invite you to join my private Facebook group called the Dancepreneuring Collective. You can send me a message and I will add you either via email or send me a direct message on Facebook. Whatever social platform you use is fine. So I would love to get to know you better. If you found this podcast helpful or any of the other sessions helpful, I would really appreciate a rating, a review, and for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher Radio. And that way I can continue improving it as well as get your name out on a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week and more blessings than you can imagine. I really look forward to spending time with you again. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.